Welcome everyone to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode 111. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we'd wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. I'm your host, John White, at BJourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? Hey, John, I'm doing great. We are both pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Awesome, Nick. Hey, uh, so this week we have Caitlin Bryant, who is an enterprise client exec at VMware. And uh, I think we're talking to her in two parts, right? Of course. Nerd Journey interviews come in two parts, John. It's like a rule or something like that. But I actually know Caitlin. So I was her solution engineer for about a year in the commercial segment at VMware not too long ago. So we, we did work together, and some of that will will come out in the episode. But I thought it was really interesting to to see how she ended up in this technical sales field and a little bit about her progression path along the way out to the field and customer-facing operations and day-to-day. Yeah, so just as a tease, like I, you know, I think we've talked to uh, a few people before who are a little bit more technically oriented, although we have talked to at least one other salesperson. Um, it'd be interesting to listen to the pattern. Like, do you hear a pattern of how people get into the technology industry? whether it's as uh, sales engineers or as uh, field sales executives. Um, I think it was also really interesting kind of maybe towards the second half of this uh, conversation uh, that we're going to have today about underrepresentation of women in tech and like maybe some of the real world experiences of that and um, maybe some things that we can all uh, think about and look out for. Absolutely. Good stuff. So let's not ruin it. Part one with Caitlin Bryant. Here we go. Caitlin Bryant, thanks for joining us on the Nerd Journey podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Can you maybe start out by telling us what your current position is and what you do? Sure. So I am an enterprise account executive at VMware. I cover some of the largest customers in the DFW area uh, based here in Dallas and then covering the entire portfolio for VMware. Got it. So that's more of a pure sales position Mm -hmm. than maybe some of the other people that we've talked to that had a little bit more of like on the technical side, technical pre-sales. Yeah, exactly. Got it. Um, can you maybe tell us a little bit about how you got into the tech industry and yeah. why you like working in the tech industry? So that was a, a very interesting, um, I guess, come to be moment. So I was in college and I couldn't figure out how to plug in a printer. And um, I went to our advisor and asked, you know, is there a class that I can take that helps with just understanding technology? And this was 
in 2007. So um, probably should have known a little bit more about plugging in a printer at the time, but I didn't. So I, I somehow got on this track of coding and um, implementing SAP software. And I thought it was fascinating, um, but I really enjoyed the personal aspect of being able to talk to people. I was a marketing major with information systems minor and everyone at my college um, couldn't figure out what in the world I was gonna do with both of those combined. And I myself didn't know that this industry even really existed uh, at the time. So it was kind of happenstance. One of my sister's friends happened to work for um, another vendor at the time. And she said, hey, you get to you know learn about tech and something I definitely became interested in. Um, after the first kind of coding class, uh, I was kind of hooked. But then uh, you also get to travel and go and meet people and kind of the, the warm and fuzzies of being a salesperson, very extroverted individual. So I got somehow wrangled into this world and it's something that I wasn't aware of before, but it's been such a fun, fun time. So just a few years later, um, I started at VMware and um, the, I guess I've been with VMware for, it'll be going on six years here in August. Um, and so the growth of the industry, the competitive nature of the industry, uh, the people that you get to talk to and the places you get to travel to are, are really inspiring um, from just a why in the world this industry. Um, I love the fast pace of it, but then also not knowing that this industry even exists kind of goes back to how'd you stumble in it? And that's one of my first questions that I ask my customers or specifically like women, you know, in the industry, how in the world did you guys figure out this, this big giant uh, cool thing happening? Because it certainly wasn't talked about in a small town, Northeast Arkansas, where I grew up. <laughs> <laughs> that's so interesting. Like I never really thought about it until now, but you know, just like you probably don't go to college to become like a, a sales engineer. Yeah. Like, people usually don't go to college to become like a enterprise technology salesperson. No. Right. <laughs> so I don't even know what the typical like pathway to get a job like that is like, I guess marketing and then business development. I Stumbling guess. into it maybe. Yeah. yeah. So mm -hmm. somebody hired on um, a new college graduate and a lot of the, you know, the bigger tech firms would have um, new college kids and you're going to teach them up and coach them and, you know, produce them into these amazing individuals. And so I was super lucky to be, uh, be accepted into one of those programs, not even knowing really what a server was uh, back then. So <laughs> it just kind of rolled into it, which was pretty cool. But yeah, they don't really talk about it too much in, in school. And I think in those programs, and correct me if I'm wrong, Caitlin, but I think they start you out on the inside, mm -hmm. which means that you're in an office somewhere and you're kind of on the phone all day, don't make yeah. a lot of in-person visits to your customers, and then you slowly progress out to that field-facing, exactly. big-time, if you will, customer role. Yeah, I, I, I was uh, inside sales for a good majority um, of my first you know, portion of the career, just understanding one, what is it? Uh, two, you've got a huge team of people that have tons of industry experience, uh, customers experience, customers who just want to check in with people. And so you're, you know, you're not really 
bound by catching a flight and going and uh, shaking hands and uh, you know grabbing drinks or whatever it is. Uh, so the inside sales is super important and even inside engineering, inside whoever. Um, so I definitely will never knock it. It's how I got started in my career and I'm pretty proud of that. And you just learn so much about just the people around you and then as you grow, um, you kind of get a little bit, you know, if you go into the field route, you kind of get end up on your own little island, uh, if you will, especially with, you know, COVID. So inside sales was definitely a way that you can meet people in the office of like-minded experiences, um, and then really grow within your career while also getting some, um, experience. Did you find that there was like more of a cultural, like, uh adaptation with an inside position like if you're all going to the same place um and then you're working on the same types of things in the same location and then chatting with each other and you know maybe having people coming and giving presentations like it's sometimes a little bit easier to get the culture of the organization than it is when you like if you just join as a as a field person yeah and never going to the office, you know, or hardly ever going. Yeah. I mean, it. you look at uh, just being inundated with the executives will come in and the marketing teams put a ton of focus on the inside. Uh, you have like really that cultural movement, if you will, like at VMware, uh, the inside um, teams, we had birthday party every month. You know, you knew that the, the bunt cakes were going to be sent to you. You're going to have an end of quarter kickoff with your vice presidents and executives and kind of everybody having that camaraderie, which is so important, especially if you think about if you're brand new into your career. Uh, or even if you've been there for a long time, but you need that interaction and that experience um, of others that you can kind of build off of, super cool. Um, and then I think about the people that I work with all the time. I mean, my previous bosses came from the inside, their bosses came from the inside. Um, so it kind of gives this little, I mean, you feel like a little bit of an underdog at times, but then at the same time, you learn the ins and outs of um, the culture of, you know, how to get things done, especially like operationally, if you've got, you know, somebody that's been there for a long time sitting right next to you in the cube, uh, that's really important. So I think it was fun. Um, it's definitely fun to go back. Uh, whenever that office is open back up, it'll be fun to go back and kind of um, see the, the new um, and improved um, teams that are there. So it's something that you know, I've been lucky to be able to to do an inside coach um, perspective. So going out and talking with our start training, which is like our uh, welcome to the company, you know, hoorah, drink the Kool-Aid situation. Um, so I got to be a coach and just looking at the energy that kind of comes from the inside or the, the brand new college new hires. Um, it kind of revives you if you've been doing kind of the same thing over and over. So. I think I answered your yeah. question, but <laughs> sorry about So rambled. true about the energy of talking to someone who's looking at it with fresh eyes. And along those lines, Caitlin, can you share with us what makes someone on the inside, if they're doing inside sales, what makes them want to pursue a field-facing role over staying on the inside? Yeah. So for, I mean, I can't speak for everyone because sometimes it can be super important to, to not have, um, you know, there might not be 
aspirations for your field or there might be something you know you want to do something different or the insides rocket and rolling I think it comes down to uh, one I was super excited about just feeling the um, the passion within the 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 deal like being the alpha if you will um, and being in charge as the field person um, but then also like getting to sit in front of your customers and interact um, is so important and you kind of get that personal aspect of when you're at a table or in a conference room um, and then you know maybe you go and grab dinner afterwards there's just that instant camaraderie something that I think that uh, as salespeople, uh, we are craving so much right now, um, especially with, you know, this is uh, our whole new world. So I think that that piece I've definitely missed. Um, but then also, you know, there's a compensation perspective, um, field versus inside. Uh, that's always interesting. And then, um, you know, you look at maybe if you wanted to stay locally within one market, um, say there's a big hub of people in Austin and you want to live in Austin, there might not be that many field facing resources, but inside you've got an amazing resource pool. You've got a good gig. Um, so it might be the better fit for you. I think, uh, both Nick and I have spoken with people who were interested in field facing roles with VMware in Austin. And it was like one of the harder positions to get because yeah. you were competing with everybody who was in that like local like I, I guess maybe I should back up and explain that VMware has like a large local inside sales force in Austin so um, you know that also means inside uh, SEs yep. and inside partner marketing and partner positions yeah. so if you wanted to cover Austin in a field role you're competing with every single one of those people who wants to stay in Austin and yeah. also has like those years of experience with VMware and maybe are in fairly senior positions as an inside person mm -hmm. and just happens to want to move into the field. Yeah. That's as a, soon as those roles open up, I mean, you've got now, um, there's so many tech companies there in Austin. Um, luckily, you know, I didn't, that's not where I, I knew I wanted to land for a long term. I'm originally from Arkansas. So Austin didn't have a direct flight at the time. And, you know, it was an eight hour haul to get home for Christmas an eight hour haul to get back. So being a little bit closer to home was, was great for me. But yeah, as soon as those Austin roles open up, I mean, you've got Google now that's got, um, you know, a lot of people there. You've got Apple, you've got, you know, Tesla's just coming up. Um, there's a huge market. And so sometimes, uh, and I'll have, you know, some of the maybe inside people that want to move to the field and, you know, we'll have a, a quick, like, I wouldn't call myself a, a mentor, but, you know, we'll have a little check-in of how did you get to where you're going. Um, and sometimes it's okay to like be open with uh, maybe a different region if you're not necessarily married to staying in a, a highly coveted position. Go stretch your legs in, um, you know, Arkansas, Oklahoma, like where I love, you know, but um, maybe there's not a lot of people that have that same familiarity with the region. Um, but a great way for you to be able to make a big impact um, and then also get the experience that you need because sometimes it's really hard. Actually, it's very hard to make the jump from inside to the field. You have to have kind of all of the things lined up. You've got to have successes. You've got to have your um, leadership experience, you know, kind of internally within the company. It seems like that's the easier hop because trying to get 
let's say you're at company A and you're doing inside and then trying to jump to company B, uh, on the field perspective, the recruiters or maybe the hiring manager is going to look and go, well, what experience do you have? Um, so that's that's kind of hard. Um, and luckily at the time, I had an awesome vice president and um, director that let me, um, you know, you talked about like the open sales gap. So there might not be a, a rep, an AE in the, the geo. Um but I was able to go and do some customer calls like on um, because there wasn't a field rep. So I was able to kind of be the hybrid person um, and then going with my engineer just to make sure I didn't screw it up too bad, which uh, <laughs> was great. Um, but those little moments of, you know, how do you make the jump? Um, how do you kind of champion yourself within your your leadership teams? It's it's hard, um, but it could be really rewarding. It feels like one of those things, like it's difficult to imagine building all those support networks for yourself, like from scratch. Do you think that it's important maybe when choosing an organization to find out whether they have like a a formalized program or is that even something that exists? Um, as far, I think some people do have it. I don't know the, um, the office that, you know, I was at um, originally, they had kind of like a field readiness fast track or something like that, um, that actually was my former boss, who's now my peer. Um, he ran at the time and he had just done uh, a field gig and came back to, to coach up the inside teams. It was super cool just to get kind of that real life exposure. Um, but I mean, looking for companies and before I landed into, um, you know, VMware, I was looking for that culture that kind of helped to build everybody up. Um, so that would absolutely be, you know, now that you say it, I'm thinking, man, that's a really great, um, idea or advice for people that are, you know, looking for how do I make sure that I land in the right company? How do I make sure that I have the right kind of support? Uh, is looking for things like uh, mentorships or coaching fast tracks or I don't know what you would call it. Um, maybe the HR individuals would have some sort of, um, you know, headway into that. But definitely those types of things. Um, you want to come off as being a real go-getter, but you also don't want to be like an ankle biter. So there's like a very weird fine line. <laughs> so some of those um, fast tracks, I'm sure, could um, help to formulate some some ideas and real like next steps for you. That's always an interesting uh, line to walk, right? Like, especially during an interview process and you get the inevitable, where do you see yourself in five years, you know, type of question that, you know, um, like, I think what you just said, you know, maybe one of those good answers to give would be, you know, well, I want to be doing, I mean, my standard answer was like, you know, I want to be doing what I'm doing now, but better, um, be doing it better, you know, and, but now that I think about it, if I were to ever go through that again, I would want to be able to say something like, and one of the things that I'm looking for in an organization is, you know, kind of a, a, a formal or semi-formal process to help me get there, Yeah, and you know, to that, that next level. Yeah. Oh, and, and you think about um, tech and it's such an incestuous industry anyway. So once you're there, you kind of don't really leave. No one really leaves tech unless they want to go and. I don't know, uh, go fishing or scuba diving pro or something, you know, very, very offbeat. But 
you know, you think about this industry, there's so much knowledge. There's not a whole lot of brand new people kind of coming in um, from, you know, my husband works for uh, maintenance, repair and operations, huge um, customer uh, of ours, but, you know, large company. And you think about just those individuals don't even know that tech is coming in. So it's kind of interesting to see, like, how do you even kind of continue to build your career and your network? Uh, and at the same time, like getting new blood in. Yeah, I can definitely see that it's a problem <laughs> that's trying to be addressed, right? Like, you know, how do you grow an enterprise sales rep, you know, from, uh, from the ground up internally? Like, how do you, even to the point of like hiring somebody out of college and then over the course of, you know, five years, six years, getting them there. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a hard problem. Yeah. Nurturing opportunities, I think is, is really important. Strong managers that are looking for your career advice or, you know, how do you make sure that you get a, a mentor? Um, those are always really important. I'm currently on in the process of looking for a new one. So if y'all think of anybody, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> There's the, the organizations that I've seen do this, like the one that I can think of that does this like fairly regularly is Oracle. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like they pair an inside person with a field uh, enterprise, you know, salesperson and they're actually both field people, but like one is the apprentice and one is the master, yeah. right? It's like a master apprentice system and they like take notes and they do a lot of the, um, you know, pricing and quote creation and, um, you know, organize a lot of the, the stuff. And it's like, oh, you kind of have to learn by doing and then having somebody model it for you right. over like a medium to long period of time yeah. might be like, well, maybe it's like one of the ways. I don't know if it's the best way, but um. that's definitely. It was kind of my experience. Like you're you're saddled up to, um, I guess, your counterpart in in region, um, and then you've got your specialists in region, and then you've also got your specialists on your, you know, maybe in the same office that you share. Um, and then there's actually, you know, one of our partners, and it's the inverse. So um, the individual that's you know kind of running the show or the relationship for 15 years or so. Um, is the inside person and they have, you know, different field facing resources. So kind of depends on like, I guess the, the company too, because it could be the opposite. I've only seen other, I guess, one other uh, company like that, but yeah, the inside person um, kind of is the, the puppeteer, if you will, <laughs> and then um, has, has their individuals in geo. But you can absolutely learn a ton by just shadowing somebody totally. in those kinds of conversations seeing how they carry themselves, how they have easy and hard conversations with customers and other yeah. internal people, how they get other people to do things they want without those people actually working for them. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Leverage the extended team with your, with your mind control capabilities. <laughs> yeah. Didn't we have, um, Nick, we used to have a lot of people from like the inside, um, engineering, teams that would come out and, you know, shadow a couple of meetings. And um, I can't remember the, the names, but we had a, several people um, that would hang out here in DFW and they'd be here for a couple of days and go, okay, take me to a customer meeting or take me to a yeah. you know partner meeting. And then everybody was just, I mean, you feel 
like uh, you're in it, you know, you're so excited to learn. And then seeing that, you know, maybe it's not just necessarily inside. I don't know why we're going down this necessarily tangent, but um, the, the new individuals to um, the career. And that's like, mm -hmm. you feel that excitement. You kind of get re-energized that we're, what you're doing is so cool. And, you know, <laughs> so it's kind of like a, a fun little uh, thing to have different people kind of insert within your, your opportunities. Yeah. That was part of the Academy program actually exactly. that you talked about earlier. Yeah. So they, they have it, you know, for different roles, whether it's a sales person, whether it's a solution engineer, whether it's a technical account manager, I think they even do it in many other areas, at least at VMware. I'm sure that other companies have a similar offering, but you're right. It's, it's always exciting and interesting when some of those new faces are trying to learn what you do and, and how to do that job. And then they ask you questions and you kind of go, you know, I didn't think about yeah. that. I should probably know the answer to that. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's a great way for you to learn too. Yeah. And I know, um, when I got to, so the Academy program, um, at VMware is so cool. You know, you've got some of the, the brightest, um, people that are starting their career and they've got either professional services or engineering or sales. And you're kind of like, uh, divvied up within your, your group. And it's so interesting to watch because they'll fly them to headquarters and they'll do, I mean, in a normal world, you know, uh, non-pandemic year, uh, they'll get to go and, you know, drink the Kool-Aid, but you'll see our CEO come through or CIO come through, you know, all of our leadership team. So that's their first experience that like, oh, congratulations, you're here. You have direct access to all C-levels at any company and so cool. Um, and so you see that and you're like, okay, that's not exactly what I experienced, but very cool. <laughs> so I, I remember like I was interviewed as, um, one of the sponsors, uh, two years ago and I flew out and the, I can't remember who asked the, the question, but Hey, tell me about like a really bad day. Like, do you ever cry in front of customers or, you know, do you ever do whatever? And so it was so interesting to see like that, that could be um their first real experience into what is a field versus inside versus you know the pressure that can can be within sales so kind of interesting yeah speaking of maybe kind of bad days caitlin uh hopefully you don't mind me asking this but as a female in in a traditionally male dominated space yeah. certainly we don't want that to be the case but uh, how have the challenges with that been different in your progression from inside to the field and customer facing situations? I think people would, yeah. would really enjoy hearing about that. Yeah. So there's, I've got so many thoughts on, I think it'd probably be like a seven part series uh, questionnaire, but <laughs> so one of the things that, you know, just being a woman in tech, uh, we are so underrepresented um that it's wild um so you'll go to the great thing um is i feel like you can find a female mentor a little bit easier or um kind of command a little bit more of the questioning uh, attention um but then also you've got really short lines in the bathroom so if you're at vmworld or a convention and you see there's a 15 minute wait out of the men's restroom and then you walk in and you're walking right back out no lines ever so that's a, a super positive um, but I would say that, you know, when you look at, um, 
how did you get into the industry? I think we obviously need to figure out how to get more girls interested in STEM or if they are interested, like I just kind of happened to stumble upon this because I couldn't figure out a printer. Um, but you know, the, the tech world is, um, a little bit more, maybe word of mouth, maybe not necessarily now than it used to be. Um, but a lot of people don't know that this even exists and this is an opportunity for females. Um, so I think that that's a little bit on us on, you know, coaching up our neighbor's kids or our kids or, uh, people in our community that we happen to know and kind of, um, leaning forward a little bit and making sure that everybody's aware. Um, but at the same time, you know, um, looking at like from, I guess, a personal aspect of things, uh, is you feel like you almost have to have a tough exterior in order to become the alpha, uh, and then not seem like you're being like led from an emotional state or, uh, maybe an irrational state. So I think there's a little bit of a stigma most of my clients are great. Uh, most of the people that I've worked with, but sometimes you'll find people that might think that you're there to deliver the coffee or, uh, you can take some notes if you'd like to. So I had a, um, an issue, uh, I was right out of college and, you know, I was uh, in a, a conference room. So I was really excited, you know, probably 24, 25, and I was there with customers and someone who um, happened to be there, not a customer, uh, asked me to go pick up coffee for everybody and lay out the napkins and it was my hosted meeting. And so you kind of like get thrown off a little bit and that happens pretty infrequently. It's been like, you know, once, um, but you have to do things that are a little bit unnatural. Like I don't bring in coffee ever. I'll have it delivered, uh, but you'll never see me. And I think Nick, you probably know this rule about me. And that's why is I'm not there to be the waitress. And so that's, I think that's such an unfair thing to say, but it's also like, um, something that we're aware of is just, you can't even like let on to that. So I think that that's a total, like my husband would never think about that. Like bringing donuts in as like, that's separating, uh, you know, the value from the experience. So that's just something that's, I don't know if I'm rambling, but something that's definitely different. I see what you're saying that you might like pay for a service to deliver coffee, exactly. but you don't carry coffee in. Yeah. It's a really weird delineation, but I will let somebody mm -hmm. else set up coffee pay for it. Absolutely. But there mm -hmm. is just this weird thing where if you're the person, uh, the female, the only female in the room, most of the time, um, mm -hmm. or maybe the only female at the company, uh, at your company, at your specialist, your engineers, there might be 20 people in the room and you're the only one. So you don't want to be the one that's setting up the napkins and the, the coffee and whatever it is, because it, there's just a weird power thing there. <laughs> I actually have a follow-on comment to that. I can totally identify with what you're saying because I was in a meeting not more than a year ago and there was someone shadowing me, uh, a female, and she was in the room. Obviously, she was shadowing. She didn't feel like she was adding a lot of value and she volunteered to go get lunch. And I, I'm like, look, I don't want you to feel like you have to go get lunch because you're the only girl in the room. Like I am perfectly capable of doing this or having it delivered. You do not have to go do that. Yeah. Yeah. That is, I am not telling you to go do that. Well, in fact, you probably shouldn't go do that. <laughs> yeah. And there's, there's a weird thing because we naturally, uh, well, I know I do naturally as a woman 
you want to take care of people. You want to make people comfortable. You want to like, you know, you think about things like uh, timing for lunch. I mean, I know what I'm going to have for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like, hey, what are we doing for, you know, like Nick and I, Nick used to be my engineer. Um, and Nick and I would, would plan out our day based on meals and who's comfortable with what and, you know, where are we going to get the coffee for the day? So you think about those types of things. And maybe it's just something that I, I recognized very early on in my career that I started to have a little bit of that, hey, she's here to kind of cater to us. Um, so I had to draw this extreme line in the sand where I don't bring coffee. Um, I'll absolutely have it delivered for you. But that's that's just a thing that I just do. I, I totally understand that. I mean, it makes absolute sense in context, right? Where like you have this experience where you realize that for the next major part of your career, you need to absolutely avoid yeah. being looked on in any way as like yeah. almost like a surface person. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I, that makes absolute sense to me. I mean, yeah. I had an experience like that where I walked in to a place and I asked, you know, like oh, I'm here uh, for a meeting and they like the person asked me if I was doing a delivery Right. It's like, oh, are you making a delivery? And I was like, no, no. Like, um, here for the meeting? <laughs> wow. You know, but it's, I, I don't know, the joke that I always make in that situation, you know, for you is like, were you were you taking a meeting in the 50s, right? Like, yeah. the, like hey, can you go get us coffee? Like, what? No. Like, like what? Uh, <laughs> the cool part about that story, though, I will say is um, my client at the time recognized what was happening. He was the senior person in the room and kind of checked that other individual and was like, oh, this is actually Caitlin's meeting. Uh, we're here with her hosting, you know, and mm. asked the guy to go get coffee, who was twice my age at the time. So that was very awkward. Um, but I think that there was a, a little bit of a weird situation. So um, bottom line is, I think in sales, um, you have this role of like, you want to take care of your customers, you want to take care of people. Uh, you're probably an extrovert, which is why you're doing it. So you're pretty comfortable in most situations. But being a woman, um, and then wanting to, you know, continuously, provide that value is just you just don't want to uh, get stuck delivering coffee or uh, being put in uh, in a really weird role. Um, so it's this interesting um, issue because in enterprise sales, we often host events, right, mm -hmm. where you are, you know, functionally the host and you're you say, come in, like, do this, I'm hosting this event for you. Yeah. But there's like, if you think in like, formal dining or, or entertainment or something like that, oftentimes like at a high-end event, like the host of the event doesn't like deliver drinks to people. No. Like they're there yeah. like as the MC to like facilitate conversations, to make connections between people. And it's the same type of thing, right? You, you want to be perceived as that like high tier, right. high power person right. in the room, not like at that like service level. Yeah. There's a reason we love some deliveries <laughs> if you're going to do a lunch and learn or something like that. Um, so that's absolutely, plus your car won't end up like sinking like, you know, breakfast tacos or whatever it is that you need. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a great point. That's a, I, I just never thought about the subtlety between yeah. carrying something in and having it delivered and 
how that can change their perception and energy, like walking into a room. Yeah, absolutely. I would say um, maybe the next question would be, you know, we've kind of, we've dived deep into this issue of like perception and, you know, role and power there. I'm thinking there have to be other things, right? When being a woman in tech, like is just generally an issue. Um, I, I, first of all, I, I like the, the shout out to like lines in the bathroom at uh, tech conferences. Like 100%. I, I definitely, there's like a, a Twitter, a person on Twitter who um, presents at conferences. And every time she's at a conference, she tweets a picture from the women's bathroom where she's like completely alone, yeah. which is hilarious. Yeah. Um, but it also seems like there's like this movement within technical conferences to have um, female speakers because there's always like mm-hmm. a need for more. And it's like a representation thing. There's like, if you don't see somebody like you on stage or up front, you know, at a general session or at a breakout session, like there's nobody for you to model. And it just yeah. st- it stops occurring to people that that's where they could be. Yeah. Have you, have you heard about those types of things? Yeah. I mean, I think that um, I was at a sales kickoff one year and the whole week. So we've got everyone all across the, the U.S. inside field, um, you know, engineer sales. And you uh, get to learn from some of the most amazing people that are doing really cool things with either tech uh, or maybe they just accomplished in a massive deal or I don't know, somebody from uh, different people. And there was one time that this happened, this was years ago, um, but not a single woman was on the stage presenting. So one whole entire week, you think about how many sessions you have in a day, maybe 10 to 15 sessions. And I called it out to the, um, you know, the, I guess the survey that you get sent, but then also my boss, my boss's boss, my boss's boss's boss. And, you know, that was something that was super uh, obvious that that was a major gap. And I think that there is this awareness now um, and, you know, certainly like great missions for people to have more diversification, whether it's, um, you know, color or gender or however, you know, you, you want to identify. But that stood out to me so clearly. And then the next um the next time that we had a kickoff, it was half and half, um, which was amazing uh, that there were more uh, female representatives um, on the stage. And I think that that was uh, just that me talking about it and kind of all of the the people in the room um, that identified that with me. And we kind of all made this big uh, ruckus about it, if you will. And just speaking out that that's not okay. I think that that helps to trigger um, that, you know, we do need to do a better job as an industry to, to celebrate, um, more speakers from different, uh, lenses. Yeah. I mean, the more perspectives you get, the more successful usually as an organization or as an industry you're doing. Totally. And I would say anytime that like, you know, you, you raise that issue and someone says, Ooh, we actually have like, we can't source those people then there's like a, an even bigger problem. That should be your screeching halt that there is a, there's a problem. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So that's, it, it's so interesting. Like when, when you do start talking about it, it seems to, 
uh, resonate a little bit more, um, you know, but that was something that was just mind blowing that, you know, that could actually happen, um, you know, in the last 10 years that you could have an entire week and not a single person um, that was spoken to was a woman. So I thought that was a little bit wild. That's crazy. We got some work to do. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It sounds like, you know, good progress was made. And I think one good way of judging an organization is the reaction to feedback. Totally. Right. Totally. Because it's very, very easy for people to get defensive Mm -hmm. and tell you why it's a completely rational thing to have happened. Yeah. And it's a difficult and much harder thing to do to say, ooh, we need to take a step back and go, why did we have that blind spot or, you know, it's hard. Yeah. I mean the, the phrase of no one wants to call their baby ugly. Um, but sometimes you kind of need to (laughs) call it out if there is an issue and then, you know, be vocal about how do we fix it? Um, and then I look at, you know, the peers on my team and, um, I've got, uh, one other woman on my team, which is awesome. Um, I used to have just one, but it was just a party of one for a little while. Uh, so two teams in a row, I think it was party of one for a couple months. And, you know, you think of that as like, that's a little between eight and 15 people. There's only one female. So that kind of gives you a little bit of an idea of, you know, maybe we should be, um, as a woman, you know, that's a little bit of my responsibility too, is to talking to my friends, my family, my you know neighbors about this industry and, uh, finding great qualified candidates that are going to be able to, to bring in, um, and start making a little bit of that impact. So it's a little bit, it's not a anti-male here, but I think it's also, also on us. to cut it off there. Um, really cool conversation with Caitlin Bryan. I really enjoyed hearing about that uh, entry into uh, technology, that the college co- degree combination of marketing plus computer information science, or computer information services? Systems. Computer information systems. Like that is really, it seems like one of the best combinations that you could to have to get into uh, technical sales in the the you know technology industry, um, you know whichever happens to be the major, whichever happens to be the minor, maybe that's like your personality leaning of getting into sales engineering or maybe field sales. But I just hadn't thought about that before. Yeah, it's a good combo. You know, I really enjoyed hearing about Caitlin's progression from the inside sales organization to where she was making customer calls and not meeting with them in person necessarily to the field-facing sales organization. And in my mind, I couldn't help but think back to our generalist-specialist divide, episode 26, because in a lot of ways, she really moved into an adjacency. It was very Mm. similar to what she was doing before, but there were also some very distinct differences. And hearing her talk about how she was able to gain a little bit of experience toward the field-facing role while still doing the inside sales job 
and and how it helped her progress. I, I really enjoyed listening to that. Yeah, it's it's a really good point. Like you know, looking for those growth areas, right, in adjacencies. We have talked about that before. We're really on the ball, Nick. Like we're really good at this. Good job. Virtual high five. Our, either that or our guests just know what to say. That's like, true. It's not us. Oh, yeah. I mean, I suppose an alternative is that we say a bunch of things and then anytime we get any kind of confirmation, we just feel really good about ourselves. That's right. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. We'll do some reflection on on which one this is. I, we need more metrics on that. Yeah. Yeah. Really good point. Maybe we should put a, a Twitter poll up. Maybe. Well, regardless, um, I, I'm really enjoying listening to this conversation and I hope uh, people tune in again next week where we're going to hit a little bit more about taking uh, parental leave, um, which, you know, is a really interesting thing uh, to be, you know, to experience like, you know, probably all of us to a greater or lesser degree are going to experience or be adjacent to something along those lines uh, during our careers. For sure. And before we go, I just want to point out, I had never heard that story that Caitlin shared about someone asking her to get coffee. Oh, uh, that yeah. One, that one, uh, I just, I guess, it, you know, being a dude, it's not something you think about in, in, the, in the way that it actually impacts how people view her in these situations. And it, it definitely helped patch a little bit of a blind spot I had. And I also think that it's important, as she said, for all of us to evangelize these STEM-type opportunities for any young people we meet, you know, regardless of what they look like or anything like that, we need more talent in the STEM type fields. It's it's very true. Like, you know, the idea that we're going to progress as a society, as a country, country, um, as, you know, the various companies that we're working for, like we need to like find all of the talented people, regardless of gender, age, ethnicity, uh, cultural background, country of origin, um, you know, like any of the things that, you know, currently keep people out of the industry. Like we just can't afford to give up on those people, like, or, or rule them out like early on. It's just, you know, there's, it's too hard to find talent. Um, I am also, I like, I was just really impacted by that story as well. It's like, you know, uh, anytime you're asking like somebody, uh, a peer for a service, you know, in any way that can make them appear like less than it's not, I think maybe like asking somebody to get coffee, like is a specific trigger, you know, that goes all the way back to, I think maybe being more sensitized to that from like, maybe like mad men, you know, like the you know, asking women to be in like a service role in a male dominated uh, room or industry like that is like, you know, maybe a little bit more obvious, but like, there's just got to be other landmines out there that fall into that like general service category. I'm just really glad to hear about that. And, you know, it's pretty thought provoking. Absolutely. Cool. Um, anything else before we uh, get out of here? No, sir. Just a reminder, we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder, like what happens next week. We're collectively on Twitter, at Nerd Journey. 
All right. Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White, at B Journeyman, from Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore, signing off. Adios. Adios.